Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome in to the Nightcap. What's up? Joe DiBiase here on WGR for the next two hours. A couple days away from the NFL Draft. We'll have coverage all day on Thursday. And then Friday as well. Rounds one on Thursday. Rounds two and three on Friday. We'll keep you updated throughout the night on the NHL playoffs. We've got a game going on right now. Actually, just about to get started in Carolina. Hurricanes and the Capitals with the Caps up 3-2 to two in that series. Carolina trying to force Game 7 back in D.C. while Washington is trying to advance to Round 2 to play the New York Islanders, who swept the Penguins earlier in the week. Um, we got a signing today by the Bills. TJ Yeldon is now on the team. We've got a report from over the weekend on the Sabres coaching search. Like, I know, finally, something, right? We hadn't had anything since the Todd McClellan stuff, which was two weeks ago. And finally, we got something on that. Ricard Gronberg's name could be in the mix. So we'll talk about that as we go throughout the night. We'll get some draft talk for you as well, interviews of the day. Uh, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, super good on the draft. He was on One Bills Live earlier. We'll play that back throughout the night as well. Um, okay, so let's start with Yeldon. Yeldon, an 803-0550, by the way, if you want to get in on the conversation, at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter, 550-550 on the text line if you want to do it that way. So Yeldon signs, and he visited last week, and I didn't really think too much of it. I don't think any of us really thought too much of it, but now that I'm starting to dig into it a little bit, I think this Yeldon signing could be... It could be something, right? Because the Bills now have three veteran running backs on the team. So Yeldon's not that old. He's different from Gore and McCoy that he's still mid-20s. He's 25 years old. He'll be 26 uh, in the twenty in this upcoming season. And Gore, 36 years old. McCoy, 31. Those are guys that are in the twilight of their career. At least Gore, you would think, is in the twilight of his career. I would have said that probably five years ago, and he's still here. But... He's still going strong at this point. Yeldon, like, I could have him for a few years here. 25 years old, he immediately becomes, other than Keith Ford, who's might not even make the team, Yeldon becomes the youngest player on your roster at that position. Even younger than Marcus Murphy, who a lot of people think is young, but really isn't. 29, I think he'll be next season. And now they're in a spot. Three veteran running backs. Yeldon, Gore, McCoy. And I'm just looking at it, and I just do not see a scenario where all three of them are on the team to open the season in 2019 against the New York Jets. I just, I, It's hard for me to see it. They could do it. They could dress. 
three running backs, none of which play special teams. And special teams is really the hint here to me. It's the clue that you're looking at it. And you've got three guys that, between the three of them, have played a combined zero snaps on special teams since Pro Football Reference started tracking that in 2012. So in the last seven years, Yeldon, McCoy, Gore, zero snaps on special teams. Now, I don't really care too much about that. I think you should be able to find that at another position and plug that in. But it's not that often that you see teams dressing three running backs, game in and game out, none of which play on special teams. And if you're not going to dress all three of them, then why do you even have them all here? You're not going to scratch McCoy. You, I don't think you're going to be scratching Gore. He signed to play here. And Yeldon, he had to have had some market somewhere else where he thought he could have an opportunity. If he didn't think there was a pathway for him to play on the Bills this year and get touches, he would not have signed with them at all, let alone a two-year deal. So what did the Bills tell Yeldon? They clearly gave him some sort of reason to believe that he will have a shot at playing meaningful snaps. And that does not mean, I think if you're TJ Yeldon, that does not mean special teams. The only way that could have happened is if Yeldon just looked around and there was nowhere to go and he thinks he has to reinvent himself as a special teams player. Like If that, if that was the way he thinks he's going to stay in the league, then he'll do it. But is there really ample evidence that he was that on the outskirts of you know being cut and not being in the NFL? I mean, he is not some superstar running back. He's not great. I think he's fine. I think he's he's okay. Last year, I mean, we saw how much McCoy struggled, right? But TJ Yeldon had 149 more yards from scrimmage than McCoy did last year in the same amount of games played, except Yeldon started eight fewer. And I'm not putting that all on McCoy. His line was just brutal for the entire season. The offense was historically bad for half of it. But this is not the same as Sean McCoy's when he got here from Philly. There's a reason that he was last in the NFL in yards after contact last season. Wasn't his style of run is one is one part of that. But the other part is like the guy's getting up there and... I don't know if that type of running back is going to last as long as a guy like Frank Gore does. I can't see McCoy having five more years in this league. I don't think that's really saying much, but he just doesn't strike me as that type of player. And there hasn't been a lot to give there in the receiving game as well over the past couple seasons. And Yeldon gives me something there. I don't think he's super dynamic. He's not the guy that I think you throw a screen pass to him and he's going to take it to the house. But he's a good receiving back. He almost reminds me of like the Fred Jackson style of running back. I wouldn't say he's as good as Jackson ever was, but that same style. The receiving back that's not really, like he's not Tyree, or he's not uh, Tariq Cohen, for instance, or Alvin Kamara. He's not the guy you're throwing it out to in space and hoping he makes six guys misses, six guys miss and take it to the house. He's a guy that's going to catch the ball. He's got sure hands. He'll get open if you need him to, and he'll get you the first down. Like that kind of guy. That's to me what Yeldon is. So are you really going to keep all three for the whole season? Are we really going to do this again with the veteran running backs? Yeldon's 25, so I like that idea more. But I think we are 
you know, we're at a point where it's time to move on from one of the three. And you just signed Gore, and you just signed Yeldon, so that obviously leads me to LaShawn McCoy and a possible trade of LaShawn McCoy. It makes sense. To me, it's an obvious thing to do. A running back in his 30s that has one year left on his deal that you don't have a big con- a cap hit for trading that at the past trade deadline must have had some sort of value because there were teams reportedly calling about him. What is there to think about? He's a star, yes. He's been, honestly, he's been the face of your franchise for four or five years, yes. But just look at it from the sheer perspective of value. A 31-year-old running back with one year left on his contract that had a bad year last year. If you can get anything for a guy like that, you do it. You absolutely do it. And you take that pick, or whatever it ends up being, and you spin that. And you turn that into the next guy. Because at some point, you got to start getting younger at that position. And Yeldon is getting younger at that position, which is why I'm, I kind of like the signing. For a guy that's actually been in the league for four years, he's, he's fairly young. 25 years old. But where is my... Where's my Philip Lindsay? Where's my Kareem Hunt? Fourth round pick. Where's my Alvin Kamara? Third round pick. Where are my second round pick guys like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson? Where's my late round pick like Aaron Jones? There are teams all around the league that are entrusting their starting running back spot to guys that were picked mid to late rounds. I know New England is New England and you can't copycat everything they do, but they do this. They sign Rex Burkhead, who was like an afterthought in Cincinnati. And he produces. They draft James White late in the in a draft a couple years ago. And he produces. They do that over and over in New England. Why can't I at least replicate that to some extent? I don't need to do that with three, four guys like they do. Just give me one. Just give me one guy I can do that with. It can even be a second round pick. Give me the next Joe Mixon. Not necessarily like character-wise. I know there's stuff there. But... Like a guy I'm picking in the second, third round, and maybe part of this com- this opinion coming from me is like a fantasy-related opinion, but the star running backs around the league, like, I don't know, I get jealous of these guys that just show up places and are good. San Francisco last year had like three guys I'd never heard of that played well for them, Matt Breida in particular. So that's where I'm at. I want to see them draft a running back, and I've wanted to see them draft a running back. I love the idea of this Daryl Henderson kid out of Memphis. He might go end of round one. I don't like that. But if I can get him at 40, like that's an idea I like. That's a young, super fast, dynamic, makes people miss an open space kind of running back. The modern running back in my mind. And... I don't think I can I can warrant drafting him with a second round pick or a guy like that in the second or the third or the fourth round even if I've got these three veteran running backs here. Like that is a position I'm really looking at the Bills. Like what are you going to do? Are you going into this season with those three guys? I think the clue to look at the Bills and say I don't really I don't really believe that they're going to do that is the special teams point. That you've got three guys, none of which have played a single snap on special teams in the last seven years. I think my ideal draft at this point is not only, because I've talked about this a lot, I I still love the idea of TJ Hawkinson. He's still number one on my wish list for the Bills at nine. 
So my dream draft is now becoming, I want Hawkinson in the first round. I want to see the Bills get what they can for LaShawn McCoy. I'm still, I'm really starting to like the idea of this Daryl Henderson kid. Could be a stud in the league. Give me the next Elvin Kamara. Get me there. We'll talk a little bit more about the Hawkinson idea. Uh, there's some movement seemingly into the dra- in the draft over the past few days. The Jets and Ed Oliver seems to be a connection that a lot of people are making. The Raiders and the surprise that they've got cooking at four. The draft this year is actually getting interesting despite the fact that there's no quarterbacks. Although, Arizona, like, they're, they're a maybe now too. Dar- Daniel Jeremiah says he's only 40% sure they're drafting Kyler Murray. The Raiders love Kyler Murray. Maybe they think that's going to be the surprise. I don't know. A lot of stuff's cooking right in front of the Bills at 9. Let's go out to the phone lines. 803-0550 is the phone number. Anthony in Niagara Falls. You're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing, man? Good. You know, I, I, think, I think the fact that none of those three guys that we do have at running back have played special teams is a big thing. Now, they could flip with Sean McCoy, and I think definitely teams still have value for him. But more so, what if they view Yeldon as their feature back with a new guy that we draft next year? What if they see that as he could be the role player to a stud that we draft in the second round next year, or maybe even first? Yeah, I, I kind of like that idea more too because Yeldon, like ideally, and thanks for the call, Anthony. Like if I'm getting, if I'm getting a rookie where I want to invest it in, which is in that round two to four range, although I'd like to see them get one no matter what. But ideally, that 2-4 to four range, because if I'm drafting a running back there, I think I'm hoping that guy becomes a starting running back for me. And running backs, as we know, like their careers are limited compared to other positions. Like It's rare that a guy plays at a high level into his 30s. It happens, but it's rare. And to me, I don't know if I'm drafting a kid there. If I'm ending up with Daryl Henderson, for instance, I want to see that guy play right away. And who's a better change of pace back at this point? McCoy, I think, is still capable of being a starting running back in this league. But is he still capable of being a top 10 starting running back in this league? I don't think so. So, is he going to be my third down back? My catch the ball out of the backfield? I think he can do that. I think he's good at it. But why do I need to do that? Because I can get rid of the cap hit, get an asset back, and I think Yeldon is, at least in the receiving game, you got to say is at least as good. I'd have to say better. He had 55 catches last year for 500 yards and four touchdowns. What was the Bills' leading receiver? Would TJ Yeldon have been the Bills' leading receiver? He might have been. Should have had that on hand. We'll take a call while I look that up. Let's go to Kevin in Buffalo. Kevin, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to, uh, first off, thanks for taking my call. Sure, no problem. And I uh, wanted to chime in on T.J. Yeldon. Um, the big thing that he does for us, uh, so last year, Allen uh, struggles with those short passes. And if he gets in trouble, uh, T.J. Yeldon's going to be a key dump-off man, uh, you know, his outlet pass. And he can actually do something with a terrible pass and turn it into positive yards, where I think the other two guys might struggle a little bit more with that. Um, I'll hang up and listen to what you got to say, but I think it's a great, uh, good pickup. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I like, I like the pickup. Fine. Yeah. Um. By the way, Yeldon, he would not have been the Bills' leading receiver, barely, just barely. Zay Jones led the team last year with 56 receptions. T.J. Yeldon had 55, and he actually played 14 games opposed to 16. So, receptions per game. If you want to go there, what are they gonna do? 
So the draft in front of them is starting to shape up. Um, actually, no, it's not really starting to shape up. It's 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 there's a lot of smoke. Kyler Murray, maybe like everyone felt like that was a sure thing, right? He was going to Arizona at one, and now maybe that's in question. I think that could be what the Raiders think they're going to get. Now, I don't think they'll get him at four, because if Kyler Murray is not going to be a Cardinal, I'd have to think somebody is going to try to trade up and get him. It's not going to be the Niners at two. It's not going to be the Jets at three. That could be the Jets' ticket to trading down. Like If I'm the New York Jets right now, my ideal situation is, hope the Cardinals have been bluffing this entire time, or they... You know, Cliff Kingsbury's come around on Josh Rosen. I hope that happens so that they don't take him. And then, I know San Francisco's not going to do it. I got Oakland sitting behind me. John Gruden reportedly like loves Kyler Murray. Can I convince another team, hey, you want this kid? You got to jump in front of Oakland. Here you go, three. You want it. You need it. That's what I'm hoping if I'm the Jets. I don't know who that would be. Maybe Denver at 10. The Giants. The only thing about those two teams, though, like they, they would have the the you know the least far way to go. They wouldn't have to go very far. But they're like the old school GMs right now that they're kind of getting made fun of for this. Like Gettleman and John Elway. Like they like the big, tall pocket quarterback. And Kyler Murray is not that. So will they have the vision to invest assets to get him? Like that seems hard for me to believe. So maybe Miami makes a trade. I don't know. But if you're the Jets, do you trade down with that team in the division? I think a lot of things could happen in this draft. And it's starting with some doubt creeping in on where Kyler Murray goes. What team? And I like that. It'll give some intrigue into the draft. Might give the Bills an opportunity to trade down. Depending what happens at quarterback. That's important. Because if the trade down idea appeals to people out there, the way you get the most value out of that is you need teams to fall in love with quarterbacks and you need teams that want quarterbacks. You basically need Denver to want a quarterback for the Bills trade-down scenario to work perfectly. You need Denver to want a quarterback because you need other teams to be afraid that Denver's going to take their guy. If Dwayne Haskins slips past the Giants at 6 and the Redskins love him or the Dolphins love him, you got to hope Denver likes Haskins. Because then you might only you might be able to trade down three, four spots and get a ton of assets for that. That's what I'm hoping happens. I'm hoping the Bills are able to trade down, still get an opportunity to draft TJ Hawkinson at nine or after nine. And I'm not really that big on that idea. I don't need them to do that. I'd actually prefer if they just sit at nine and do it. But it'd be nice to have other assets, obviously. And maybe you get an extra one from McCoy. I don't know. And end up getting the guy that I wanted anyway. So we'll see. Thursday, round one. Friday, rounds two and three. The Bills will be on the clock at nine. Then they'll be on the clock at 40. couple picks right after that on Friday. 803-0550 is the phone number. You can text us at 550-550. And you can hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. i got a poll up on trading with Sean McCoy. we got Sabre news, too. Ricard Gronberg could be in the mix. We'll take a look at that as we progress. Sheldon Keefe. His name has been talked about a little bit on this station over the weekend. Those are the two names that I am all in on. I want it to be one of those two guys. I'll explain more later on. Um, 
Those are the two guys, Sheldon Keefe with the Marlies. They're playing the Amherst right now, actually, and they're up 2 to nothing in that series. Looks like that could be a sweep. The Amherst would have to win three in a row to advance, and Gronberg currently the coach of Team Sweden over in Europe. All right, we'll take a timeout here. We will play back Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus from One Bills Live earlier today when we return. Some insight on Yeldon as a player and also what the Bills are looking at in the first round of the draft. Some options there. Kyler Murray talk as well. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We're going to get to Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus with One Bills Live in a second. Quick playoff scoring update for you in the NHL. The Caps have taken a 1-0 lead halfway through the first period. Carolina is on the power play, but Washington up 1-0 on a goal by Brett Connolly. And if the Caps win this game, they will advance to round two to play the New York Islanders. If the Carolina Hurricanes win, it'll go to game seven in D.C. NHL playoff scoring update is brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. All right, let's go out to the on-demand audio and let's get you some Sam Monson, pro football focus on the draft on TJ Yeldon and other good stuff on the Bills, Kyler Murray as well. Here is Sam Monson with Murph and Tasker earlier today right here on WGR. Really glad to have Sam Monson on the line with us. Sam, it's John Murphy and Steve Tasker up here in Buffalo. Thank you for joining us today. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. You, since then, have made the move, right, from uh, Ireland, your homeland, to to the United States. Where do you live right now, Sam? Yeah, I'm now uh, about 20 minutes outside of uh, Cincinnati, where PFF HQ is based. So, yeah, it's uh, summer of 2017, I moved over. Very nice. We first got with you on this show years ago when PFF had a a bunch of uh, uh, people from uh, the U.K., including Ireland, uh, doing the, the analysis, and, and now uh, PFF has really blossomed over the last few years, hasn't it, with video feeds and uh, the involvement of Chris Collinsworth and some of the others. And, well, when you go to the Combine or one of those major events, you're overwhelmed with numbers from the PFF group. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, you know, way back in the day, we had just a few NFL team clients. Now all 32 NFL teams, our PFF customers were up to, I think, 55 college teams, a couple wow. of – BFL teams, we're pretty much all over the place now. Before we get to the draft, I'm not going to ask you what you do for the Bills, but what do you do for the Bills? No, what, what kind of <laughs> services do you provide the Bills and other NFL teams? Yeah, I mean, everybody is uh, pretty much subscribes to the same kind of uh, team consumer package. Um, there's a little bit of difference here and there in terms of what exactly they're paying for. Um, and then there's a real difference, I think, in each NFL franchise, kind of how ingrained PFF is in their day-to-day lives and their, how, much to make, how much they use the system and how much they get use of it. Um, and that's the real thing we find when we go to the events like the Combine and we meet with all these teams. It's the, just the variety of, of how certain teams use it. Some teams just um, take the data, use it as a part of their checking process, and other teams, it's fully ingrained in what they do. It's all part of their video system. Um, it's a big part of their checks and balances. It saves their QC coaches a ton of time. You, know, you think way back in the day, these guys used to have to come in on a Monday morning and start manually making cutouts of all the things to help with the week's preparation and game planning. Now it's all done at the touch of a button. They just go in, they access PFF data, and that's able to create a custom cutup, you know, more or less instantaneously. Those guys don't have to spend their entire Monday creating this. They can save all that time. 
Well, Sam, we're we're in the part of the season where you know cut ups are are cut ups, and and free agency has come and and is still in the process. The Bills signed a running back, T.J. Yeldon, uh, just yesterday. What can you tell us about him? Uh, certainly, he played a role for Jacksonville. Uh, they signed him today, actually, and uh, to a two-year deal. Give us the lowdown on a on a guy like T.J. Yeldon. What does he bring to the to the Buffalo Bills to a group that already has LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore? Yeah, he's an interesting player because he started off um, with a pretty solid PFF gray, and he was a guy that we liked. He's he's capable as a receiver. He's capable of carrying the ball on the ground. Um, he's a pretty well-rounded back that can kind of do it all. But the longer he's gone on in the league, that, that grade has just gotten steadily worse. It's, it's actually declined every single season of his career. Um, and part of that is because, you know, the opportunities didn't, uh, didn't manifest themselves the way they, they might given his early start. And also that Jacksonville offense generally was headed in the wrong direction. Obviously, Blake Bortles, a quarterback, took steps in the wrong direction. The offensive line got beat up, and, and a huge part of running back success is how good the, the blocking is in front of them. But I think Yeldon you know, does represent a good backup option for a team because he can do it all. He doesn't have to tip your hand in terms of being a third-down back or a guy who's only in there um, on obvious passing plays, obviously obvious running plays. He's a guy that can be a legitimate every down backup to somebody. And I think uh, be a, a valuable contributor if the, the situation is right. His past reception totals are impressive, though, Sam, with, what, 55 catches last year, more than 50 a couple of years ago, which makes me wonder if the Bills view him as a potential third down uh, running back who they can get involved in the passing game. What do you think? How would you use him? Yeah, I, I think they, there's a good chance they do. I think he's definitely um, he's good at that. He's a, a solid receiving option um, among running backs. I think that's a decent spot for teams. And any any team that's bringing in a back like that is typically looking to use you know a third down back. That's when they get their primary bell cow some rest. That's when they get that guy on the sideline and you know uh, rejuvenated for the next uh, series or the next drive. I think Yeldon would be a good third down option. He's capable. As a receiver, he's got some wiggle after the catch. And he's also not a bad pass blocker, which is usually the kind of critical factor with determining which backs are going to be on the field on third down. Sure. Well, the Bills spent a lot of time and a lot of money on free agent in the free agent markets. They had a lot of money to spend, and they addressed a lot of needs in the, in, on offense particularly. They, uh, they brought in a bunch of offensive linemen and two uh, really – Pretty good-named uh, wide receivers in Cole Beasley and John Brown. What do you make about the changes and the bolstering that the Bills have done on their offensive side of the ball around Josh Allen? I think they've made a lot of smart moves. Um, you know, Josh Allen is an interesting quarterback because I think he was a little bit more successful as a rookie than we thought he might be, given the, the kind of quality of player he was coming out of college and the holes in his game coming out of college. Um, but I think we saw that he will – remain you know a relatively inaccurate quarterback he's never going to look like joe montana out there completing 65 percent of his passes and putting the ball exactly where it should be every single time but he makes up for that by being this dynamic threat with his legs and by having this um incredible arm to go deep pretty much anytime he wants and i think what they've done is they've given him a receiver in john brown who is a, an excellent deep target we saw um last year before the quarterback switch with him that he was still a very viable deep threat and Josh Allen went deep last season more than any other quarterback in terms of 
you know, frequency, percent of his dropbacks that were a deep target. And then the other side of things, you've got Cole Beasley, who, you know, you don't think of him as a great match for a quarterback who's got a big arm, wants to go deep. But Cole Beasley will get open underneath. And there's a huge um, overlooked thing, I think, for people uh, when they when they think about matching up with these quarterbacks that aren't necessarily the most consistent or the most accurate is, you know, you want to get in these deep threats and you want to maximize the, the yards per play. But if you get a guy who's going to get wide open on those five-yard, you know, pivot plays, even if, um, even if it's not going to be a high percentage play, you're maximizing the, the margin for error on the pass. So I think Beasley actually is a good uh, fit for Josh Allen because of that. And those two guys together, I think, represent a big upgrade for that receiving core. And then I like what they did on the offensive line as well. Ty Secchi was a guy who's played extremely well, um, a tackle in, in limited opportunities starting um, for the Redskins over the past couple of years. And absolute worst-case scenario, he should represent, you know, really the best swing tackle, the best backup option in the league. But I think he's got a good shot to start and be a quality player as well. We're with uh, Sam Monson. He's Pro Football Focus lead NFL analyst. Um, let's get to the draft. And, and I want to talk about a player that – your, uh, your uh, colleague there, uh, Steve Palazzolo, mentioned to Steve and I a couple of weeks ago, the cornerback from Washington, uh, Murphy, Byron Murphy. You kind of like him, too, as a fit for the Bills. Isn't that right, Sam? Yeah, I think so. I think um, the Bills potentially still have a need of cornerback. I think um, we don't quite know what Levi Wallace is going to be going forward. He had a really impressive rookie season, but didn't play, you know, only played essentially 400-odd snaps, not – enough, I think, to sell you on the idea of him being your quality lockdown cornerback opposite Tredavious White going forward. And even if he is, this is a league that requires three corners these days. You need a third guy that can play six, 700 snaps. So I think it wouldn't be a bad move to get a third guy anyway. And yeah, Byron Murphy um, in a zone scheme in particular is devastating. He's got the quickness uh, coming out of, out of breaks that he can really maximize that and it doesn't matter that he doesn't run you know a four three flat because you just don't need him to the way he can read uh, the play react to what's happening in front of him and i think in that scheme it would be a beautiful fit yeah talk a little bit about the scheme fit and why it's so important yeah i mean corner in particular i think a huge amount of whether these guys succeed or fail at the nfl level is what system they end up in and you know particularly long-term, whether those systems change and you see them suddenly find themselves in a situation that they're not great at. And I think that's a lot of the, the reason why you see cornerback boards look completely different because depending on the scheme you run, you're going to have guys in a completely different order. Whoever is a great fit for, you know, a press man scheme that r- runs man coverage almost all the time, it's not the same skill set that you're looking for um, compared to the team that runs a lot of zone coverage. And I think the Bills run a ton of that zone uh, coverage. We saw Tredavious White was a perfect fit for that kind of system. Um, I think that's what Byron Murphy would be as well. These zone players, they don't necessarily have to run a 4-3 flat because they've got their eyes on the quarterback. And they're reading the play in front of them. They're not necessarily having to rely on their athleticism, their quickness to match receivers and to, to run with those guys. They, they can rely a little bit more on you know, the, uh, the square foot of real estate in, uh, above, their he- above their shoulders, um, and that's where they get their first yard of speed from. So I think Byron Murphy would be a great fit for that team. Hey, uh, Sam, Steve and I talked a lot in the first hour of our show about this week as we approach the draft, three days away from round one, 
Um, what do you make of the reports uh, about Arizona maybe backing off Kyler Murray, maybe getting ready to take somebody else at number one? Is this typical uh, draft week uh, line season stuff, or is that for real? And is Kyler Murray a legitimate first overall prospect for the Arizona Cardinals? What do you think? I think he absolutely should be. Um, whether he is or not, I, th- I think it's still up in the air. But, you know, we, we've been working really hard at PFF to quantify this transition between the college level and the NFL level, particularly when it comes to quarterbacks, because this is a passing league. You know, the quarterback has never been more important. It is the thing that determines whether you're going to succeed or fail as a franchise going forward. So you need to get it right. Um, And all of the data we had last year pointed to the fact that Baker Mayfield was head and shoulders the best quarterback in last year's draft. And Kyler Murray isn't quite Baker Mayfield, according to these numbers, but he's closer to Baker than any other quarterback over the last two years was. And when you look at accuracy, when you look at um, play from a clean pocket, which is the most stable number, it's the most translatable thing, when you look at the frequency of you know, mistakes, bad plays, uh, he's right up there as well. Plus, he has that X factor of that incredible athleticism that Baker Mayfield didn't have. So I think Murray is a huge upgrade over Josh Rosen, even if they were in the same draft class, I think you would take Kyler Murray significantly ahead of where you would take Rosen, which means essentially the Cardinals have a shot to upgrade at the position. They have a chance to you know, flip their quarterback decision for the guy they want to be um, leading them forward and then deal with Rosen later, You know, whether it's trade him, whether it's uh, hang on to him until a quarterback needy team comes calling. But I think they have to take the opportunity afforded to them of, of making that upgrade at the most important position. Some of the things we've spoken to, the experts we've spoken to, have said Kyler Murray's a little bit, they think he may be a system quarterback. The OU system, the conference they play in, uh, has helped Kyler Murray to shine in a way in, in, in the college level that it may be more difficult for him to do in the NFL level. Certainly won the Heisman Trophy, but what, what is it? Uh, what about that criticism that Kyler Murray's kind of a product of the OU system and the conference with that didn't play really good defense against him. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, that's exactly the same thing that was being said about Baker Mayfield. And it's true to an extent. You know, there's no denying the fact that that offense does make life easier for a quarterback. And, you know, there are a huge amount of easy throws in that offense. 20%-ish of his targets are screens. Um, Big 12 is very much a conference where defense is optional. There's a lot of um, poor coverage. There's a lot of bad play. But the, the key is to try and answer how important is it or how big a mitigating factor is it. And if you strip out all of that stuff, you take away the, the screens, if you take away the easy throws, and you just look at the NFL-caliber throws, again, that's where Baker Mayfield was so far in front of everybody else. So it was, okay, even if life is harder at the next level, if he doesn't have these screens, if he doesn't have the bad defense, if he's throwing into tight coverage all the time, he's still the best quarterback in this class at doing just that. And I think the same thing is true with Kyler Murray. If you take out the easy stuff, if you remove the benefits of playing in that system, he's still good at the things you're going to want him to do at the next level and better than anybody else in this class at that. So, yeah, I think it's a valid criticism, but you, you shouldn't be using it as a reason that he won't succeed. You should just be saying, okay, we need to figure out how much this impacts his overall evaluation and how much it should be um, pulling him back towards the rest of the pack. Hey, Sam, but we've been asking our listeners, Bills fans today, about uh, 
if there's one player the Bills uh, are interested in more than anybody else in this draft, if there's one player that the, the Bills should be uh, will be happy to get in Thursday's first round, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, who do you think the Bills should be interested in if they can they, if they had to lock on one player? Who would it be? Do you think to help this Bills team get better? I think the Bills are in a really good spot in terms of you know free agency to me should be where you. Um, attack real needs so that you don't run into the draft desperately needing to fill a starting spot. I think if you if you put yourself in that position, you're already behind the eight ball because now you're not necessarily taking the best player available. You're trying to fit a need, and that guy's probably not going to play lights out from year one. So I think the Bills are in a pretty good spot because they address their most glaring needs that they can really go best player available and you know attack – um, a guy that's going to make the biggest impact. I think receiver, number one receiver, is still a, an option, still a need for them. But I don't know that there, there's one guy there that screams that they need to take him. I would love to see Buffalo grab Jonah Williams, the left tackle from Alabama. I think he has a chance to be a really special left tackle at the next level. And even though it's not a glaring need for Buffalo, um, for them to install him, and see him as a sort of 10-year starter to absolutely nail down that position, I think would be a huge boost to this team. Where do you see Hawkinson? I know in the most recent PFF mock draft, I, I saw that he was listed as 19 overall to uh, the Tennessee Titans. Is that about the right range for him, or would a top-10 pick for T.J. Hawkinson be, be a, a value pick? I think a top-10 pick might be a little bit rich for him. I think he's a really good player. He's... You know, he's what you want in a modern-day tight end in that he can still block. And these days, being able to block is what makes you that dual-threat player as a tight end because most of these guys can't. You know, even the best college blocking tight ends are typically not good at it at the next level. Or even if they are, it takes them a while to adjust. So if you get a guy like Hawkinson who can be a really good receiving threat, a dynamic uh, matchup problem for defenses, and provide you value in the run game because he can still block – I think that is uh, really valuable, but I don't know that he's quite good enough to be taken in that top 10 uh, area. Interesting. We can't wait for the draft, Sam. Thank you for joining us today to talk about it with us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. There is Sam Monson with Murph and Tasker earlier today. A little word on Hawkinson at the end there. Um, I'm starting to think about the other Iowa tight end a little bit. I still Hawkinson's still my favorite idea, but... I got Bucky Brooks now on NFL Network doing a mock draft as the Bills. The the uh, NFL Network, they did all their analysts like were representing a team, and Bucky Brooks had the Bills. He picked Noah Font at 9. I think maybe Hawkinson went before that, but I don't know. Listening to his reasoning, why he liked that, and how Font fits with uh, Josh Allen, I still like Hawkinson, but I think I'd be okay with either Iowa tight end here. That, that guy, though, Font, I'd like the trade-down idea a lot more if it were him. Like, he sounded like a bit of a reach at nine, and I don't know. If, if you like him enough and you want him, do it, and I wouldn't kill him for it. But value-wise, that's that might seem like a little bit of a stretch. So that's where I'm at on tight end. Um, 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll talk a little more draft when we come back and into the Sabres a little bit. In our number two, Ricard Gronberg, name in the mix. We might have something there. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. He should be. Because uh, it, it's not that we've gotten spoiled with the last two uh, running back classes. Jacobs gives you the power runner plus the pass blocker and receiver. He's one of the best at both of those things in the class and just plays with a mean streak. They're going to love him wherever he lands. But otherwise, 
Maybe Daryl Henderson from Memphis is the other one who provides something that's rare. And what he provides is the ability to break tackles and win collisions, and it has the acceleration speed to break long plays. Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. I'm going to show up in the Bulldog earlier today. You can find that on demand at WGR550.com. I like the idea of Henderson. He's my favorite running back for the Bills in this draft. You probably have to take him in round two. I'm okay with that. He's got to have an opportunity, though. We've been talking a lot about running back today and the draft here on the nightcap. i got a poll up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. LaShawn McCoy, should he be traded? And last I checked, I'm going to double-check again, hit refresh. Your options were yes and no. And we have 61% saying yes, the Bills should trade McCoy. Just over 500 votes in just so far. Um, that's about where I would have guessed it's at. He's got his fans, and there is merit to keeping him. Like, there's a reason to do it, but I think it's more, I think there's more on the side of you should do, you should trade him away. Now, to do that, I was just looking around the league, seeing, like, who could be, who could be in play with him? Because we, we heard about the Eagles a little bit at the trade deadline last, uh, last year. Like, how many teams need a running back where they would even make that trade for McCoy? And... I only really found four that I could see doing it. Sure, anyone could, but four, like the four likeliest, and maybe the only four that I could find that were even maybe realistic. The Kansas City Chiefs um, might be in the, the last team on that list for me. They've got Damian Williams. He's kind of just a guy, but he played really well for them at the end of last season. They signed Carlos Hyde, who also is kind of like a guy. He was terrible in Jacksonville once they traded for him, but had a decent career before that. Was okay in San Francisco, was okay in Cleveland. Um, so they have those two guys, no bell cow. Like I could see them maybe throwing a pick in, see if they could add McCoy it would be an upgrade. Um, who would ideally be an upgrade Tampa. I think they're a team that draft a guy, but they don't really have a, a, a like a top notch starting running back right now. It's Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, who they drafted in the second round last year, but the guy couldn't get on the field was terrible in camp for them to the point where he was inactive for a lot of the beginning of the season. Um, so they could be a team looking at a running back, but like I said, I think they would be a really they would they would be a candidate to draft someone. But if they wanted to go the veteran route, they got Winston, they got Mike Evans. Like they have enough players that are in the prime of their careers where I could see them going for a McCoy. Um, Chicago, maybe they added Mike Davis to go along with Tariq Cohen. I don't think Mike Davis is all that good. He was okay for Seattle last year, but. Tariq Cohen doesn't seem like a three-down back. Big workload guy. He's awesome. I wish the Bills had him. But he's not a guy you're going to give it to on first, second, and third down. Not a guy you're going to give 300 carries to. And I don't know about Mike Davis. I mean, he's fine, I think. He's not even that good. He's, he's not that good. I think the Bears could do better there if they wanted to. So I think McCoy could be an option for them. Um, and then circle back around to the Eagles. Just, just to see. They added Jordan Howard. That should be all they have to do. They still have Wendell Smallwood. They still have Corey Clement. I guess Darren Sproles is coming back for year 2000 or whatever it is. Um, so they've got guys, but they were interested in McCoy last offseason or last trade deadline. And Howard's good, but is he that good where if you were willing to pay a fourth for McCoy at the deadline that you wouldn't still be wait, willing to pay a fifth or sixth? I don't know. I feel like that could be a team you could still target. I could still see doing it because it's not like they're they're elite at the position. 
Um, McCoy could definitely, I think, give them something. So those are the four teams I think are most realistic. But like I said, teams kind of got their running back situations figured out. So I don't. I like the idea of the Bills trading McCoy. I want them to do it. But I think your biggest issue might not even be the Bills' willingness. It's finding a, a dance partner. That might be it. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll talk so a little bit more draft in the next hour, but I want to start to get into the Sabres coach search a little bit because we finally have something. Report from Scott Burnside over the weekend. I'll tell you what that said, and we'll talk about it when we come back. So then I cap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 